This podcast is part of the Podbelly Network. Please visit podbelly.com to see a complete listing of all of our other shows. It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mixing just a little bit of twain. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries, eh? Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host. Jerry and Tracy Pauly, and their dog Ninja. Hey guys, welcome to episode 223 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry. And I'm Tracy. Tracy. What? We had our event at Bobby Mackey's today. It was a great turnout. It was a fun show. Oh my gosh. Wasn't it just the most awesomest thing ever? I love being able to just meet people and being out there and just everybody just having a good time. Yeah, me too. It was it's such a blessing. I'm just so glad everybody showed up and you know, and hopefully they all had a good time. But yeah, it was great. Obviously we want to thank all of our military and civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you represent. Yes. We pray for you guys every day. Thank you guys for keeping us safe. I know it's hard on the holidays coming up and some of you may not get to come home but just know that we're all thinking about you and also uh, as far as if you're going through some tough times right now maybe you're battling uh, depression there's a like I said a lot of uh, people are hit hard by the COVID situation and it's causing uh, other aspects of life whether it be a loss of employment or not being able to see family members or any of that mm-hmm. it's it's tough right now but uh, just keep your heads up uh, hopefully all this will be over here soon. They'll get a vaccine together and things will start looking a little more normal uh, for all of us. But, uh, you know, you can always, you know, mention something in the group if you're feeling a little bit down. There's always people in there that'll lift your spirits up. There's always somebody to come to your rescue. It's what's so great about it is everybody just is so eager to help everybody else. Yeah, and that's great. Uh, you could uh, send us a message if you'd like to or... You can call the suicide hotline if it gets to that point. Hopefully it doesn't. But if it does get to that point, you want to talk to some uh, people who are more experienced in the situation. Tracy, what number can they call? And they can call 1-800-273-8255. Or you can text them at 741-741. And please don't forget that Jerry and I are always there for you. You can call us um, anytime, day or night. And we'll talk to you and show you some love and you know hopefully help you out a little bit we'd be glad to do it all right tracy this is obviously uh the the same story that we told at bobby mackey's and i thought since the live event was there you know people know that bobby mackey's is one of the most haunted places in the world Uh it's almost every top 10 top 20 list bobby mackey's is on there what if I told you, though, that there's a location that may be just as haunted as Bobby Mackey's, and it's just a short 15-minute drive from Bobby Mackey's? Where? Well, you have to cross that bridge going over into the Cincinnati area, but we're going to talk about the Cincinnati Music Hall. Oh, I have heard about that place. I would hope so, because we had a chance to uh, tour it about three weeks ago. That's very true. That's going to act like I've not been there. <laughs> Yeah, that place is pretty amazing, well, and it just, was scary. We weren't able to go inside. We were just able to go on the outside of it. But, yeah, absolutely uh, gorgeous. 
So the history of not only the music hall itself, but the land that it sits on provides all of the ingredients that you would need for a extremely haunting environment. Mm -hmm. So we're going to get into that in a bit. But first, here's a little bit about the music hall for those who are unfamiliar. Construction was completed in 1878. Today, it's the home of the Cincinnati Ballet, the Cincinnati Symphony Orchestra, Cincinnati Opera, the May Festival uh, Chorus, and the Cincinnati Pops Orchestra. And I think the Cincinnati Reds and the Bengals also play there. I'm not sure. (laughs) Well, I mean, it seems like they got everything else. Well, I know. Yeah, like right in there. (laughs) It was recognized as a National Historic Landmark in 1975. So when they built this phenomenal structure, it was to serve two purposes. One was to house musical activities, which they do a great job there, in the central auditorium. The other was to house industrial exhibitions in the side wings of the buildings. So middle part for show, the side part would be like if they had some conventions and stuff in town. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff they were doing. That's really nice. Mm-hmm. It sits right across from Historic Washington Park, which we also got to tour. It's got quite the history, too. We'll get into that here in just a little bit. So enough about the actual building. It's Halloween time. Everybody wants to know, why is this place so haunted? And I think for that answer, we're going to need to look at the history of the land that Cincinnati Music Hall actually sits on. So let's go back to September 13th, 1818. The city of Cincinnati bought a parcel of land for a whopping $3,200 from Jesse Embry. On January 22nd, 1821, the Ohio State Legislature decided that they were going to build Ohio's first insane asylum on four acres of that land. Mm-hmm. So they also built a commercial hospital and an orphanage. These facilities would go on later to be named the Cincinnati Hospital, Longview Asylum, and the Orphan Asylum. So there was also a pest house. And if you're unfamiliar with the term pest house... It's um, a lot like Waverly Hills was. It was a hospital that was specific for isolating people from other hospital patients and stuff like that. I thought you were going to say it was a hospital for bugs. No. no. (laughs) But most of the people that were in this particular hospital were tuberculosis patients. Yeah. Very sad. Almost identical to Waverly. So you're following along, right? So there, there was a mental hospital, and we know how bad those places were back in right. the early 1800s. There was an orphanage. It's pretty much the same situation because, you know, orphanages had a reputation for not being very well ran. Yeah. Then you had a hospital with TB patients that were dying at record paces. Those things alone are probably enough to make this land really haunted. But just like the commercials, but wait, there's more. Oh, there's plenty more. That's enough. In the city, there were not one, not two, but three different potter's fields. And Music Hall was built over top of one of them. Oh, good Lord. (laughs) So we mentioned potter's fields before on these shows. They're basically areas of land that consist of um, mass graves, most of them unmarked from everything from hospitals to uh, insane asylums to prisons. That is so heartbreaking to even hear you say that. I or mean, in situations to where 
um, you had major outbreaks of, of diseases and yeah. stuff. So they had to do something so quick with them. And, and a lot of times it was just people just didn't have money. If you were right. poor and didn't have any relatives, that's where you went. And, you know, we were talking when we did our, inter- our, our interview, but our tour up there, they were telling us that a lot of times they would just mark the graves with a number, like 273. And the reason they would do that, especially like in the Asain Asylums, is because it was a, a big deal to have a family member that people, you know, if they were, you had a family member that was insane, that was like a major knock to you and your uh, social status. So Pete, they would use the numbers on the gravestone instead of the name to hide who the, who the relatives were. That is were. terrible. That is terrible. Yeah, oh it's pretty, gosh. pretty horrible. All right. Like I said, we covered all the people who would have been in there. Most of these people were buried without caskets. Most were actually just placed in burlap sacks. Oh, my they said goodness. Some would put, were put in uh, like dry goods boxes or something like that. Just what? anything to... Okay, I'm sorry, but how much does it take somebody to build a coffin out of a dang out of wood? Well, but in, you're going to have to realize that the biggest contributor to this was the cholera outbreak in 1832. It wiped out almost everybody that was in both hospitals and the orphanage. So there were so many people that were buried in these these mass graves at one time. They probably didn't even have the, you know, they couldn't mass produce, you know, coffins and caskets back then like they can today. So there really probably wasn't much. And you got to realize that back then, if somebody died of like cholera, and they felt like it was contagious. They were wanting to get them in the ground as soon as possible to keep the spread of the disease. So That hurts my heart. Yeah. It sucks. But the majority of the inhabitants that, that you know, in the hospital and pest house were buried right there in that area where the Cincinnati Music Hall is right on top of. So we mentioned Washington Park earlier, and I said it had a little bit of a history. Now, that used to be more of a traditional cemetery there, headstones, just Mm -hmm. regular people. It was bought by the state in 1858 and was turned into a park. I don't know why they decided to turn it into a park, since it was already a cemetery, what the purpose of that was. But they moved most of the bodies to Spring Grove Cemetery, which was a little north of Cincinnati. And the rumor is that not all of the bodies were actually moved, even though they were supposed to be. And we know that for a fact because mm-hmm. when they were doing some excavation in the park several years ago, they uncovered some headstones that had literally been covered up with dirt. So it's like when they started digging in dirt, there were headstones that were tall ones, uh, you know, probably three, four feet tall because we stood next to three or four of them that they unearthed. So now you can see them. They just left them there. And you can see them really well, but I mean, the dirt was so high that it just, it's like they just filled over all the headstones that were there. So mm-hmm. there wasn't a ton of them there, but there were three yeah. or four that they did find. I know. My aunt used to work at that cemetery. Uh, the I like, I, Yeah, I guess she was like a groundskeeper or something. And I remember going there. I mean, it's been a long time ago. It was so beautiful. I mean, I mean it was so beautiful. Everything was just kept so well. And I was always impressed by that. Um, and it's just a shame that they had to leave bodies behind. I mean, well, and and then so so now keep in mind where we got you got all the stuff that was going on before it. Now you've got all this tragic loss of life because of the cholera uh, outbreak. But there's another great tragedy that happened here that you a, a lot of people probably don't even know about. A lot of people know that people died from cholera and stuff mm-hmm. like that. 
On April 25th, 1938, there was a steamer ship by the name of Moselle, and it was coming through the area. Its boilers exploded, and according to the Cincinnati Commercial, which was a newspaper, it blew skulls, limbs, and blackened trunks of passengers all over the city so that falling bodies fell through roofs of houses. <gasps> That's according oh, to the paper. Good Lord. Are you kidding me? The remains of the victims were gathered and buried under, underneath what is now covered by the south end of the Horticultural Hall. So the ship had 250 to 300 passengers on board. More than 150 died in the explosion. Oh, Lord. That is awful. So, oh, can you just imagine you're chilling on your couch and then a dang body comes through your roof? What in the heck? I can imagine the roofing people probably got rich during that time. They had to fix a lot of roofs. Oh, my God. I just cannot even imagine that in my brain. Ninja can't either. <laughs> so all these people along with the other people that we mentioned were all buried in this potter field and unlike the cemetery that was across the street at washington park the bodies in the potter field were never moved they just made a decision that when they were going to start building stuff on top that they were just going to leave the bodies well i mean i almost don't blame them how are you going to try to dig up a body that's missing his limbs and well, I mean, it's not just them. It's it's everything. I mean, you got all the people that from the cholera outbreak and all the people who died at the hospitals. and It's just amazing how many horrible things have happened in Cincinnati that we never knew. The structures such as the exposition buildings were built right on top of these graves in 1871. Now, they were described as vast wooden structures that were dingy, gloomy, and grotesque. And yes, they were haunted just like the Cincinnati Music Hall is, because they were there before Cincinnati Music Hall. They were torn down in 1876 to make way for the Music Hall itself uh, as far as the construction there. So there was a night watchman who told a reporter at the Cincinnati newspaper back in 1876 that weird and strange noises would occur at intervals all night. He said he would hear rappings on the ceiling, under the floor, on doors and windows. He would hear the sound of heavy footsteps behind him crash of heavy timbers thrown from the ceiling, the glass thrown upon the floor, and last but not least, heavy bodies being dragged across the wooden floor. He said these sounds only ceased during exhibition times. So he said one snowy night, there was a knock on the door. He goes to the front door, he opens it up, and he said there was nobody there, but there was also no footprints in the fresh snow. Oh, hell no. So he don't, mm -hmm. don't have a clue how somebody could have knocked on the door. He said that he never saw a ghost and he never got touched by one, but he always knew when they were there because he got an icy chill. He said on one occasion, he experienced something in the main hall. It sounded like there was a man marching and dragging a musket across the, the wooden floor. And as we said earlier, they tore those buildings down and built a music hall right over top. We're going to tell you a little more about the construction of the Cincinnati Music Hall right after we remind you that this episode is brought to you by El Yucateco Hot Sauce. It is the number one habanero-based hot sauce in the United States, top 10 of all hot sauce, no matter what they're made out of. Woohoo! And, uh, you know, we absolutely love it here, so... Yeah, get your hot sauce on. Actually, I have a, one bottle of every flavor sitting on the kitchen counter as we speak. I know. So, you know what? We need to get cooking. Yep. Keep sending us those pictures. We absolutely love it of everybody using it out and about. 
We tried some on potato skins. Yeah, I didn't think about doing that. It was so good. Yeah. It's just good. It's yeah. just good on everything. So it's not too hot. It's not going to burn your mouth all up. It is hashtag king of flavor. And it's also good in chili. Just like it is know. good in chili too. Yes, because we had it. You made your famous chili the other day, and it's delicious as always. But we had to add some extra yumminess to it, so that's what we did. So look for it in all the major grocers, uh, Target and Walmart specifically. Usually carry it. If you don't see it, ask your grocer to get it in. And if not, you can go to lucateco.com and get your own from there. Yes, do it, do it. <laughs> all right, Tracy. In 1927. They did some excavation, and they discovered three coffins, which were then reburied in the basement of the music hall. During during some expansion there. In another expansion, later on in 1927, they uncovered 65 graves, earning that side of the music hall the nickname of the Valley of Death. Wait, you mean after the music hall was built, they dug graves? Yeah, this was was built in 1878 was when it was finished. And they dug graves in the basement. Well, 1927, when they were expanding the music hall. Okay. They were obviously doing some more uh, digging and stuff. They Mm -hmm. ran across those coffins. Okay. And then, when they did more later in the year, when they did some more expansion, they found 65 other graves. Wow. And that's when they were nicknamed. That that side was Valley of Death. Wow. So those remains were also reburied on the site. In 1988, they were doing some renovations and decided to do some work on the elevator shaft. The first day, they dug up, dig up 88 pounds of bones. And the second day, they found 119 pounds of bones. That was 19 skulls and 60 femurs. That's at least 30 people in a 15-foot by 15-foot oh area. Oh, my gosh. So... I guess I should. It probably wouldn't surprise you to know that there's a lot of paranormal activity that is focused in the elevator area. So people have heard angry whispering in the elevators, like people are fighting. There have been several instances of the elevator moving about on its own accord, including to floors that you supposedly have to have a key to get to. You know, they put the little key in the elevator, and that's the only way oh, you can get to that yeah, floor. Yeah. Um, there was one instance when a man got on the elevator. He was looking at the buttons to see which one he needed. And the elevator just started moving on its own before he even pushed a button. And it, he's, you know, in his mind, he's thinking, well, somebody from another floor pushed the button. Oh, so yeah, yeah. It's just going up. He didn't think nothing of it. And then he got to the second floor, and there was nobody there waiting on it. Oh, And then gosh. he starts talking to some other people and finds out, oh, no, that's pretty much a regular occurrence. Whew. There was a gentleman that... Uh, what if you got stuck in between floors? Good grief. We've seen that happen before in uh, one of the other places we talked about. Oh. So. There was a gentleman by the name of John Angst who used to work there. He was a night watchman, and one night it was after everybody had already left the building, he was making his usual rounds. He gets close to the elevator, and he could hear music, but he couldn't find out exactly where it was coming from. He looked everywhere. He gets into the elevator. He closed the door. But the music was still there. So then he said he was starting to tingle because it was freaking him out a little bit. He opened the rear of the elevator and he stepped out into the hall and there was no sound of music at all. He gets back in the elevator and it went to go up to the uh, the Corbett Tower to close it up and there was the same music again. He said for two weeks he couldn't even approach the elevator shaft without his whole body tingling. That was so scary. 
Oh my lord! You know, we were when we were given our tour. They told a story, and I and I, I don't remember a hundred percent. So if I butcher it, I'm sorry. But they said that there was a gentleman that had a heart attack, and it was on um, one of those floors where you needed a key. Mm-hmm. And they got down to the, the bottom, and and the um, EMS was there, and they needed to go up to that floor. And the worker realized that they didn't bring their keys, but for some reason it let them push the button and took them to that floor anyway. Which the guy was able to, you know, his life was saved. Oh, thank God. And they just thought that was just maybe it was somebody looking out for, for him. That, that, you know, because well, otherwise it wouldn't have happened. Wow. So, Tracy, the most famous ghost here is the Lady in White. Yeah. <laughs> She's been sighted on several occasions, sometimes by patrons, sometimes by the employees. Now, one example of this was a sighting of a maintenance man, and he was in the main auditorium doing some work. He was the only one in the auditorium at the time, and he happens to look over and he sees this woman, and he said she was wearing like a white shroud, but it looked really dirty, like she had been buried in it for a really long time. Mm -hmm. So it was white, but it was really dirty. He said that she appeared right in front of the stage, and then she just kind of started floating. And I don't understand this part completely. He said she was steamy, but it was a cold steam, and I don't really understand what he meant by that. Like maybe she just was cold and then she raised up from the dead and maybe it was a hot day. That happens, you know. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll go along with that. I mean, don't that make sense? I've just never seen cold steam. Everything I've seen that was steam was hot. That's what makes steam. Oh. So, I don't know. Nice try, Trace. <laughs> she may be the most known, but she definitely isn't the only spirit here. There's several people who spotted a little boy in period clothing. So he will come into the box seats. He'll move chairs around, tug shirts, and giggle in the background sometimes. (laughs) Now, most assume that this is from the orphanage days, which would make sense. Which, by the way, remember, there's at the very end of the music hall, there's a corner. And there's a little girl who likes to appear out there. Yes. And they say this is strictly because that is where the playground used to be when it was an orphanage. So now it's just like, you know, where you stand in the corner to cross the street. And, you know, you push the the button for the light to change and all that. So it's just a regular corner now. But there's a little girl that's often seen out there, and she likes to tug around and stuff like that. So she'll pull people's hair and pull people's clothing and stuff. So that's kind of cool. So as far, far as the sightings of period clothes, that's something that, that I've heard a lot from a lot of the stories and a lot of the tugging and stuff like that of the clothes. So one of the box office attendants that used to work there, he was working the window, and he said there was a ding on the bell letting him know that someone was at the window, but he couldn't see anybody out there. The buzzer kept going off, and eventually he left the box office and went outside, and there was absolutely no one out there. He came back in, but there was more dinging, so he went back out again, once again nothing. So now he gets back in the box office, and he feels a tug on his shirt sleeve. He looks down, and there was a little boy in period clothes. He had knickers. He had a cap. And he was just tugging on his shirt sleeve. And then a few seconds later, he disappeared. Oh, man. Now, this incident, I'm going to tell you about happened in the 1990s. One of the employees came down there one day, and it was during the opera season, but it was an off day. So, no, they didn't have a performance that particular day. And uh, he brought his three-year-old son, Charlie, with him. They both went on the stage, and Charlie was pretending that he was, you know, performing and stuff, like a three-year-old would be. Very sweet. All of a sudden, little Charlie just looks over and says, Daddy, 
Who's that man in the box? He looked up at box number nine, and he told his son that there was no one in the box, Charlie. Charlie said, yes, there is. He's waving at me right now. So they packed up, and they left immediately. <laughs> <laughs> he took his kid's word on it, huh? Right. So some of the patrons will come out in the halls during intermissions of whatever performance they're seeing, and they tell the staff how cool it was to see people dressed in period clothes sitting in the seats watching the show. Of course, the staff has no clue what they're talking about, and they say, well, we have no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Security guard Steve Hager said that he has seen a woman in a white gown with a bustle on her back. She went through a door that was leading outside, and he walked right out behind her to the parking lot, but then there was no one there. Oh, dang. So we're going to end with this. Would it surprise you... That on March 29, 2016, during renovation, they dug up the orchestra pit and they found more bones. This is believed to be for adult bodies. They believe that these were moved from other graves and reburied in a single grave. They also identified six other grave shafts in the North Carriageway. What's the space that's in between the music hall's main building and the North Hall? Each contained burials in wooden coffins. Well, so, there you go. So what do you think? I think that place is crazy. <laughs> and so interesting and so sad all at the same time. It 100% was. Oh, man. I just, you know, if you just think about all these places in the world, you never know what's where. You just don't. All right. So we're going to cover uh, some housekeeping and Patreon and uh, our iTunes reviews and stuff and we've got an interview with Jeff Carter that you guys are not going to want to miss. Good. Can't wait. So Tracy, before we get into the reviews and such I want to give a big thank you to everybody who has bought the book so far. I sent out like 47 books in a two day period and then posted that and turned around the very next day and had 11 more orders Yeah, that's that, so nice. that I put together and it just it means the world that you guys care enough to want to read it. I hope that you get something uh, out of it positive. And um, like I said, I, I couldn't be more excited. So, Well, and I can be more proud of you for doing it. And thank you guys so much for purchasing the book. I know it means a whole lot to him. So. Yeah, and we sold uh, four or five more today at Bobby Mackey's inside. And so mm-hmm. many people already had it. So mm-hmm. really cool. All right, Tracy. What do you have for us as far as iTunes reviews? All right. We have I Love HK. I know you all are not going to believe this, but Mojo Lobster left another (laughs) review. (laughs) And BHB, I'm going to have to say it. Sorry. TFBG, B. Michener. L.E. Brady, and I got to get my breath for this one, y'all. Okay. J-E-T-N-D-G-Z-S-U-W-G-F-W-Y-S-U-S. Whoo-wee! And last but not least, uh, Debris Shut. You guys love some amazing reviews. We are so tickled. With all the reviews that we get. I think that's actually Debris Hut. Oh. Debris Hut. What did I say? (laughs) I think you said Debris Shut or something. Oh. (laughs) 
But no, I can understand how that that could be. And the only reason I say that is because I remember Debris. She, um, I remember I, this was goes back uh, maybe two years ago, maybe. But she had wrote something that wasn't the most flattering, and uh, like in a in a review. And I think we said something about it on the show, and then she sent me an email, and then we talked back and forth through several emails, and then she changed the review, and I think this review was basically saying, hey, well, I'm still listening to the show. Oh, and, and then I screwed your name up. And so, but it was, it was a, that almost sounds like I'm making a negative, but I'm not. What I'm saying is, you know, it just goes to show that sometimes people can make an impact, and the conversations that we had after that mm-hmm. were very good conversations. Oh, good. And uh, so, yeah, she well, she beautiful. I am, I am so sorry that I said that wrong. <laughs> you know how I roll, girl. <laughs> and I could be wrong. Maybe it is Debbie <laughs> Shep, but I, you know. Well, either way, we love you, and we love all those reviews. Thank you guys so much. Like we tell you every week, just keep them coming. If you don't mind, it helps us to get noticed. A little more. And on that same subject, if you've gotten the book, whether it's the ebook or whether it's the uh, uh, paperback, if you can go to Amazon and leave a review, that is extremely helpful for people to mm-hmm. find that book, and it helps me out. So yes. if you've got it and you read it, I don't want you to do it if you haven't got it and read it. We want to be legit on this. But if you got it and read it and you and you liked it or have something positive to say, please go leave a review. All right. <laughs> Our Patreons this week is Sandy Blanton, Barry Page, and George and Sminger. Oh, I bet you I said that wrong, too. George, I like your name. George. I have an Uncle George. Yes, you do. I do. But thank you guys for supporting us. We appreciate you all more than you could ever know. And I don't know. I just love you. And I do have a special shout out to my girl, Courtney Miller. And her birthday is actually on the 28th, but we wanted to say it on the show because, you know, we're, that's the middle of the week. So, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Courtney. Happy birthday to you. I wish you could have seen. So Ninja was underneath our little recording table, asleep. When she got to the second happy birthday, he popped his head up. And by the time she got to the end, he had done came out and was just sitting down looking at her. Like, <laughs> was it that was going on here? <laughs> Happy birthday, sweetheart. I love you. And I hope you have a great day on your actual birthday. Oh, and um, more housekeeping. But this is good housekeeping. On the 27th, which is what, Tuesday? Mm. Our Halloween episode is going to be released. I'm doing it earlier this year. And it has got a ton of podcasts on it. Oh, I know. It is so exciting. I love when we do this. Yeah. I mean, I think there's... 14 maybe that's wonderful and so you've got about two hours worth of podcasts mm-hmm. coming but we've got everything from history goes bump to justin rimmel to shane waters who was at the show today from foul play we've got uh who else the horror chronicles is on there 
creep it, creep it real podcasts mm-hmm. is on there. So we got we got uh, a bunch of new ones on there that haven't been. I mean, a bunch of favorites on there from from years past. Hillbilly mm-hmm. Youngins did one. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's uh, Hillbilly Horror Story, uh, Hillbilly Horror House, and we've done one. Yeah, it's amazing. I can't even get through all of. Yeah, them. Yeah, we can't thank you guys enough for participating. Yeah, because that's be, so fun. It'd be fun. It's our most listened to episode every year, and we're excited to do it. So. Yeah. Fun, fun, fun. You guys are awesome. All right, guys. Let's listen to Jeff Carter's story. Yes, let's do. Hey, guys. We got Jeff from Cincinnati on the phone, and, and Jeff has been on the show before, and he told a story about his mom that actually brought tears to my eyes. So I hope your story today, Jeff, isn't as emotional as that story was. It's not emotional, but... Uh... It's one that stuck with me for probably 20 years uh, in the good old city of Gatlinburg. And you know we love our Gatlinburg. So I, when you told me you we had do. a story that had to do with the area, especially since me and Tracy are going down there in a, a week and a half or so, uh, I can't wait to hear your story. So I'm just going to get right into it and let you tell us the story. Okay, we love Gallenberg, Pigeon Forge. We try to go down every fall because we love the trees and we love the, the smells and, and just a fall down there. So every year we try to get a different place to stay, and uh, we, we found this one and we booked it and uh, jumped in the car and we're on our way. And uh, when we pulled up to the cabin after a long ride, I just... You ever pulled up in front of something and just said, you know, this this just doesn't feel right. Yeah, we had that experience uh, yeah. on our last trip, but it wasn't because of hauntings. It was because <laughs> the place was straight up a hill and there was no place to park and there was big potholes oh, in the no. driveway. So once we got settled and parked, we didn't go back out the rest of the night because we were so scared to. <laughs> well, this cabin was back on gravel roads and you had to wind through trees uh, to get to this cabin. It kind of had the feel of the uh, Bruce Campbell Army of Darkness cabin. Nice. So maybe I was just thinking that when I got out of the car. But it just didn't feel right. So we, we got in a little late. The sun was still up, but we got in a little late. We unpacked and everything, and then, as we always do, okay, we're hungry. Let's go to town, get something to eat. We'll grab some groceries and come back to the cabin and, and settle in. And we did. So... That evening, we plopped down on the couch, turned the TV on, and all of a sudden we noticed a fly. The biggest fly, Jerry, I've ever seen. Uh, it was the size of a quarter. Oh, wow. And uh, I got a newspaper, something, a magazine, whacked it, uh, which just really kind of pissed it off. It, it landed and <laughs> just was kind of still flapping. So scooped it up, threw it away, sat down. Here's two more. It's kind of like, okay. Uh, whack, whack. Got them. Uh, here's another one. So as quick as you could whack these things, they were uh, another one was taking its place. Finally, said, screw it. We're just going to go to bed. We went to bed. Um, didn't feel right in that cabin. Uh, the first thing popped in my mind was the Amityville Horror with the flies. Yep. Uh, the wife went to sleep. She was really tired. Uh, I kind of drifted in and out. Uh, so the next day we were in town. I said, I'm going to get some bug spray. Went into the local Kroger, 
whatever it is down there and uh, got some went back that evening and started spraying these bugs as they these flies I went up into the loft where there was another bedroom to try to see where these things were coming from and Jerry is as weird as it sounds they were like they were appearing out of thin air I would spray they would hit the floor and it like I said it was just, just like pissing them off you could hear them physically hit the floor. They were so big. Pow. <laughs> uh, we swept up like almost like a, a little milk jug full, uh, a half gallon full of these things. You could, you just couldn't kill them quick enough. So I wanted to leave. Uh, I called the cabin place. Well, we have nowhere else to put you. They sent somebody up. And they said, well, yeah, you got flies. Uh, the biggest flies we've ever seen. So, okay. So, went to bed that night. Again, didn't sleep well. We always left the bathroom light on for just some light. So, if you had to get up in the middle of the night. I'm laying there and I'm seeing things pass like a shadow across that light in that cabin. And I'd get up and I'd look. There was nothing there. I'd go lay down. And it's like that light would, would dim and then come back up. And I would lay there and watch it. As long as I watched it, it wouldn't do it. But as quick as I rolled over, you'd see something block that light out. So I did have a gun with me. Uh, I pulled it out and laid it next to the bed, under the bed there in case I needed it, because I wasn't sure if somebody might have been in the cabin. So eventually I did drift off, Jerry. But here's the creepy thing to me. I was woke up about 6 or 7 in the morning by a knock on the door. It woke the wife up. And she's like, you know, somebody's knocking on the door. I said, yeah, I'm not getting up. I'm not expecting anybody. We're <laughs> back here in the woods. There ain't nobody around us. Uh, I'm not opening that door. So our bed faced the front porch. And I cracked the curtain and watched what I seen, I, I didn't tell the wife for years, simply because what I seen was a man dressed in overalls and a white shirt with work boots, a little girl in a period dress, say, 30s, 40s. Jerry, they didn't have a head. Neither one of them have a head, had a head. And they were walking hand in hand off into the woods. And I, I didn't tell her what I saw. What'd you see? I said, not telling you. Uh, I was never so happy to get back home from a vacation. <laughs> um, that's, you know, we've had a couple of weird experiences. I know I shared the one with you on the last call where we seen the shadow kid and we came home and found out that that boy had died on the roadway. But that was the one creepy uh, the, the the boy was creepy. The 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 headless people was disturbing. You have any idea who they were? Did you try to do any kind of research, or did you bring any I of didn't. this up to the people who rented you the cabin? I didn't. Again, I wanted out of there so bad. Uh, I think we had two days left, and I didn't sleep for two days. I wanted out of that cabin so bad. Didn't care. Uh, at that point, it was like, I don't care what happened here. Get me the hell out of here. 
Well, Jeff, I think that that was very irresponsible for you 20 years ago to I not agree. think about that you could have been, you needed answers for a paranormal show that you might be on 20 years in the future. Had, <laughs> had, I, had I been older and wiser 20 years ago than I am now, I probably would have asked some questions. But it was a very remote cabin. There was no one around us. And I, I, it just didn't, it was one of those places you felt, you know, I, I don't belong here. I need to get out of here. Jeff, you've seen some, some stuff over the years. Do you consider yourself to be sensitive? Do you think that's why you're able to see? Because, you know, some people go their entire life and not see anything, and you've, you've had two or three different experiences that are, like, tremendous experiences. So why do you think that is? Well, there's I, maybe, maybe. I know my I have a son. I have a son who's 13 who who claims that he can see shadow people. And it worries me um, because as a kid, I know we lived in a supposedly a haunted house uh, on uh, in Norwood, Ohio, and it didn't feel good. Uh, there was small handprints on the wall, and no matter how many times you painted over it, and everybody in the neighborhood knew it, every time you painted over them, the handprints came back. Uh, I, I have seen things in my life and uh, I think maybe I know when we were on our honeymoon in Charleston South Carolina the wife asked me you know she kind of plays with me like that well what do you hear you know what do you feel here we were in a, a cemetery we were doing a tour I said you know what I said I, I feel I feel like Jewish I see the star of David I feel that and she was like, oh, God, you're crazy. <laughs> well, we we did a tour of the graveyards. They did an, an official tour of the graveyards uh, the next evening. And we walked around, and the guy walked through the very graveyard where we were. And he said, well, this is predominantly the Jewish graveyard for the city of Charleston. A lot of people don't know, but a lot of Jewish people settled here in the 1800s. And my wife looked at me, and I said, well, hmm. <laughs> So there weren't a lot of Star of Davids and stuff uh, prevalent on like there was the headstones and stuff to show. There was none. There was none. Hmm. If you want to go to a creepy place, I highly recommend Charleston. Well, we were supposed to be there next month, but that's not going to happen. So, <laughs> go figure. That was a uh, that was a, a a town where you can just feel that there are. Uh, there's things there. Yeah, it's, it's on my list. Like I said, I was so excited about going to Charleston and Savannah on back-to-back days. We were going to spend a couple of days in Charleston, and uh, unfortunately, COVID took care of that. But while we're on yeah. the subject of, of yes, these sir. live events, Jeff, you and your wife came to the Bobby Mackey's event that we did last year, and I know you're coming back to the one this year. We've still yes, got sir. a handful of tickets, probably 17, 18 tickets left. Uh, for sale. Why don't you tell uh, the people listening uh, what you thought of the event last year and, and Bobby Mackey's in general and, and uh, why you guys chose to come back? Well, we changed. Honestly, Jerry, we chose to come back to, to just see you and, and Tracy again. Um, we really enjoy you. We enjoy your stories, your quality people. 
I'm actually bringing friends with us on this one. So if I, I bought some extra tickets. If there's still tickets available, I think I can get some more people to join us. So I'll work on that. But it was just a great experience. Uh, Bobby Mackey's, I was at when I was, and I'm, I'm, I'm in my 50s now. I went to Bobby Mackey's back in the 80s. And it was just a place where you kind of, again, you kind of had a feeling like, ugh, um, <laughs> don't like it here. Um, it, they've not done much to the place no, they uh, haven't. since the 80s. No, they <laughs> haven't. But it was interesting to do the tour with you guys because you brought in people who knew the background of the well and the girl and the dancers and how it was you know, it used to be a show place, and it was interesting to hear that and then tie that all together. You know, we've all seen the TV shows with uh, Ozzy Osbourne's kid and everybody else. Uh, I won't mention the other group that's on there because I don't believe them. Fair enough. Um, yeah. Um, but we've all seen those shows, and it's neat when you see those on TV. It's even neater when you get to go and see it in person, when you can go do the visit and with you guys and your background and the the two ladies you had there who gave the tours. It was it was just a good time. And it was great people around, too. Yeah, those young ladies... doing it right around Halloween, too, so... Those young ladies are from Gatekeeper Paranormal. They are the actual... Uh, official tour group there of Bobby Mackey so nobody knows the place better than what they do yeah it's uh, it, it was an interesting visit and like I said we want to do it again uh, because we want to bring some friends we know who are interested in this kind of paranormal stuff and uh, kind of get their take and again what a great time to go right before Halloween yeah last I mean, year COVID has locked everybody down get out and have a little fun Last year we did it, it was, uh, uh, I want to say, May, uh, but it was May really hot because they don't have, God, yeah. <laughs> on, on, this is a Sunday during the, uh, during the daytime, it's like 12 to 3, so they don't have any kind of uh, air conditioning or heat or anything going on except on Friday and Saturday nights when they're open. So it w- we were burning up in that place. I mean, we had, you know, and there's no right. refreshments in there because, like I said, it's just... Basically, no. uh, they just flipped the lights on for us and, and let us go at it. And right. so this year we decided to plant it in October, figured it'd be closer to Halloween, but also it would be cooler in there. So it'd be, it'd be fun. But yeah, we let everybody bring, everybody gets to bring a cooler if you want to, or bring your own drinks and snacks and, and all that. And it's like I said, it's a big showroom, so we, we won't have any problems spreading out for people. No, no. Uh, it's a good time. I recommend it to everyone. Last year we had uh, somebody get scratched. Scare you. Come on. Did you? Yeah, we had somebody get scratched over in the corner where the uh, uh, the bull is, and that's the same corner that everybody has problems with, and the, the nausea and all that that joined into people. So it's the only event we've done that was actually uh, inside of, of, of a really haunted place. Now, when we went to Atchison, Kansas for the Sally House, we did a show in, in a haunted restaurant, but it wouldn't like the showcase haunted place like Bobby Mackey's or Waverly or something is. But so wait, uh, you know, with Bobby Mackey's, it's it's the only event that we do that where you actually get to be inside one of the most haunted places uh, in the world. So it, it makes it different. There is a place here in Cincinnati called the Schoolhouse. I probably shouldn't mention that, but it's a restaurant. 
uh, it is an old converted restaurant, and uh, the people who work there claim that they see an old man who will peer over the stairwell at them. Oh, cool. Yeah, we eat there a lot. Cincinnati's got a lot of different places. I mean, so, yeah, it's uh, Cincinnati could, you know, it could be a place that if I didn't live uh, in in this area, I would probably say Cincinnati is the most haunted area you could go to. But, you know, we kind of corner the market between Bobby Mackey's and, and uh, Waverly, so it's kind of hard to top those two. But, but Cincinnati's got a lot of good places. Jerry, I want to do uh, Gettysburg. Well, so do we. Once again, we were supposed to be there in <laughs> August. <laughs> it's been a crazy year, man. All the places that we picked. This was the year where we picked all the places that we said we don't care where they are. We just want to go to places that we really want to go to. And every one of them exactly. got shut down. So we exactly. were, fact, we're tomorrow, the same way. Tomorrow was supposed to be the uh, Mothman Festival that we were going to be at uh, in Point Pleasant. So And that got canceled, too. So. <sighs> Here's what it is. Yes, it is. Jeff, brother, I so appreciate you, you coming on and sharing some stories with us. My pleasure. My pleasure. And if uh, any more come up, uh, I'll certainly give you a call. And uh, when you guys come up, let me feed you. We'll see what we can do. We're, we never turn down right. free meals. Well, good. <laughs> All right, brother. Well, we'll see you next month. Thank you, Jerry. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, Tracy, what do you think? You think we should just go down there and try to find that cabin? That should be the next place we stay when we go to Gatlinburg? <laughs> yeah, let's seek that out. <laughs> I think I'll just stay downtown <laughs> and have our own little stream in the back. <laughs> you know, I love the fact that that little place we stay at is just... I love it, it too. It's perfect. I yeah. Mean, yeah. I know, seeing those cabins are nice, though, too. Yeah, I sure do. Like, I, I want to have those experiences. Because I like, I like how the fact he said he didn't even tell his wife. <laughs> he just, yeah, I just didn't tell her. When, she well, don't need to know. Some things are better left unsaid. She'll be like me and wouldn't want to ever go back, so. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you so much for everything you do. Thanks for attending our live events when we have them. That was obviously the last one of the year. We only got to have two of two them this of year. Them. It was well, so much fun, too. Wasn't it fun? It was a blast. It we was met a blast. so many great people. I so, was so excited. You know, who knows? Maybe next year, now that, you know, we're, we're able to kind of start figuring out how to do some of these things a little bit safer. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I know it with the Pigeon Forge thing worked out really good. This worked out good. Mm-hmm. Today everybody had plenty of room. It's I think it's a matter of just finding the right location and yeah. and all that. So but we uh, we had a blast and we're glad uh, that you guys come out when we get the opportunities to do it. Amen. So all right, guys, we will talk to you soon. We have a, another last bonus episode coming out on Wednesday, and then of course Tuesday the Halloween episode's out. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Nice. Well, we hope you guys have a blessed week. And we love you guys. All right. Thank you so much. Bye.